This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So, as you know, we have started our premarital classes, uh, kicked off by our, our minister Stinson, who was talking about the purpose of marriage. You know, and, and she, she pointed out to us so clearly what the purpose of marriage is. And God puts us in the scriptures, right? It's to show forth God's love. It says, husband, love your, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And, and not only that, he also told us we need to raise a godly seed. See, when husbands love their wives as, as Christ loved the church and wives submit to the husband, guess what happens? A godly seed starts to get raised. Those, those things go hand in hand. So that's the purpose. And we wanted to, I want to do a little quick review of what marriage is. Because again, we're doing premarital class. And I am touching on dating. But there's some things in the foundation you have to make sure you keep on the inside of you when we talk, talk about dating. Otherwise, you'll get confused with the world's thought on what dating is. So what is marriage again? Marriage is an institution created by God. That's one thing the world needs to understand. The world loves to take credit for what God does. But let me tell you, this is an institution created by God. Which means everything in this institution has to, be, has to be run through God and His ways. It's an institution created by God whereby two rational, you know, ones who can discern right from wrong. And remember, this is God's institution, so you can discern what's right in God's eyes. Right? So marriage is an institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again. There's the key right there. One who believes on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's, it's not just a mouth confession. Believing means there's a fire. I walk by faith. I order my life after faith. I order my life after the instructions that God has left me. That's what a born a born again believer does. And those are those are requirements to be in marriage. So again, I'm gonna read it again. Marriage is an institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents, man and woman. Let me tell you that for marriage, man and woman who are born again choose to enter into covenant. See, that word covenant should just sting you right there. Because covenant is a commitment. Something is a, covenant is something totally different. Covenant is something that cannot be broken. And, and, and one thing you have to understand is, well, after the, and at the end of this definition, it says, you enter into covenant with an imperfect person. That's one thing that we have to keep in our mind. We all have these fantasies or facades of who we want to get together with, who we want to marry. And you know why? It's because we're all out of season and out of order in our dating process. But we all have these, these, these facades in our minds of what it should be like. And God said, listen, it's, a, it's an imperfect, imperfect person, but they're, they're intertwined with me, so they're working on going towards heaven. They're working, on, they're working on being transformed, being conformed to the Word. And that's, that's what marriage is for. It's an institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose to enter covenant with an imperfect, imperfect person for a lifetime. And these things you need to have in place before you get into marriage. Remember, to, the reason I said that I went to Ecclesiastes last week, to everything there's a season. To everything there's a time. And time is in God's hand. And God knows that you have these seasons you need to go through. And God is not saying, I'm going to give you a trick. I'm going to give you a little quick fix that you can skip over this season. I'm going to give you a, a, a quick fix so you can just, I, I know you want to get married, so do this so you can skip over this season of dating and go right into marriage. Nope. God is saying, I need you to go through every season of life that I have planned for you. But I need you to, to stay with me during those seasons. Remember I told you last week, here's purpose and here's God. And God's like, just walk with me. Walk with me in purpose. 
I, I know what you I know what you want, and I got what you need. Just walk with me. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled off. Walk with him. Depend on him. Depend on his grace by faith in these seasons of your life. You may not get the results immediately, but anything anything worth working for, you can wait for the results. God makes everything beautiful in his time, in his season. You just got to trust in him. You got to depend on him. And I'm saying all that to say is, there is a season that precedes marriage. Premarital. That's why this is a premarital class. And that season is dating. And you're not, gonna, you're not supposed to skip over that season. You're not supposed to see somebody that looks attractive to you and have sex with them. And all of a sudden now you're a parent. Because now you've skipped over a season of life. Well, God is trying to teach you something. He's trying to work out something in you. God doesn't want us to skip these seasons. He says, depend on me in these seasons. And then you'll be who I've, who I've called you to be. So, we've got to figure out what God's views are on this subject of dating. And so we're going to do a quick review here. I'm going to try to do it as quickly as possible. And I said our object, objective in these teachings is to discover what is dating and does God's purpose interfere with it? Is dating a commitment to head toward marriage? Who and how do I date as a believer? And how should the believer view dating in contrast according? Now, for the for last week and probably this week and maybe a little bit of next week, we're just talking about the purpose who to date and why? What are the benefits of it? That's all we're talking about. But trust me, stick with me. We're going to get into some practical uses for biblical dating. We're going to get into some, some counsel on how to date, who you should date, when you should date, how many people you should date at once. Is dating exclusive? We're going to get into all that, but you've got to stick and get this foundation first. We're going to get into courting. You know, those that are like, well, is dating just, you know, it's for the unmarried, but how do you get to the courting so you can get to marriage? We're going to get into all that. But this you have to know first. This you have to get down in your first. So, what is dating, and we're still on review here, what is dating and does God's purpose interfere with it? And we said last time, you know, you won't be able to find this word dating in the Bible. But as a believer, remember we said, remember, for, for marriage, it's rational, and you have to free more ages, and you have to be born again. So for a believer, if you're a believer, you trust that God's word has guidance for every area of your life. Including dating. And it does. See, today we're going to get into some, some scriptures and some instances and events in the Bible where you're going to see where some unbiblical dating or biblical dating took place. We're going to, because the Bible touches on it. The Bible does touch on it. It may not have to say these specific words, but you're rational. You're a free more agent. You can put two, to two, two and two together. Believers. So we're going to get into those things. So we took that word dating and we looked at the root word of it, which is date. So we said, what is what does that word mean? What is a date? And all it is the day of the month or year specified by a number. A social or a romantic appointment or engagement with a group or individual. So when you're dating somebody, that means you set a specific date or a time for a social or romantic appointment with a group or a single individual. That's what dating is. And like we said last time, dating is for young and old alike. It's for married. It's for unmarried. It doesn't have to be romantic. It doesn't have to be exclusive. And we'll get into these things as we go through it. But I want you to remember that it doesn't have to be with a member of the opposite sex. So a guy can date a guy. I, I, I gave you all the illustration last week when Minister Hastings set a date. We made a date. A guy can date a guy. We're, we're dating. Now, I saw you last week at this time. Now we're on a date again. We're dating. That's a date. It's a set time. 
It's a, it's a set place, and we're meeting. That's what a date is. And, and guess what? We talked about what a relationship is. We're meeting in this place, and we have a relationship because we have something in common. See, that's what a relationship is. You can, you can build and develop a bond with somebody based on what you have in common. Like I said last week, you can build and develop a bond with somebody based on because you, have a, you work together. You have that in common. So, biblically dating is building and developing a bond based on what we have in common. But we have to figure out, what is it that we have in common? Because here's the thing as well, with all those relationships out there, the world will tell you, you can date whoever you want to out of all those places. Like I said, you have something with, in common with people at work. So the world will tell you, it's, you you're free to go in and choose who you want to date out of there. You have something in common with people everywhere, but God says, no, nah, biblical dating is for the believer." Well, Mr. Hale, how do I know who's a believer and who's not? We'll get there. Don't try to jump ahead. We'll get there. But biblical dating is for the believer only. So what is biblical dating? Biblical dating is God's method to establish kingdom relationships. See, see kingdom relationships, these are relationships that are fit for the kingdom of God. You're a kingdom citizen. That means I do what the king says. Not what I want. Not what I feel is good. That means I don't, I don't pick up and have a relationship with people that tell you it's okay to chill and party with homosexuals. Uh, because God hates homosexuality. I, I didn't say homosexuals. He hates homosexuality. That means it's, it's, it's not okay for me to hang out with people who think it's okay to riot, loot, and destroy things to get their message across. Remember, we said it last time, relationships will make or break you in life. They'll make or break you. It's those little bitty relationships that you think have nothing to do with it and it has everything to do with it. So biblical dating is God's method to establish kingdom relationships. And we have to read it here. We're going to see what the kingdom of God is. We're going to read it here. We read it last week. We're going to go to Romans chapter 14. And I need to scoot along here. But these things have to be said again. Romans chapter 14. And I'm going to read verses 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. I, I love how you... I had to stop here. I love how you said meat and drink. You know why? Because meat and drink pertains to your flesh. Meat and drink is what gets you moving. Meat, whether it be food, meat, whether it be something that's sexually stimulating to your eye, it gets you moving. But the kingdom of God is not meat of flesh. It's not drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Remember what we said, righteousness is it's what's right in the eyes of God. That's what the kingdom of God is. Peace is it's staying with God no matter what. And knowing that he's with you, no matter what season of life you're in. And again, we said the joy in the Holy Ghost, that's, that's, that's the endurance given by the Holy Spirit. By the comforter saying, never give up. I, listen, I know you're going through these. I, I know it's tough. Because uh, Jesus knows. He, he, look, he bore our infirmities. He knows. But just endure. See, that's the joy of the Holy Ghost. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to push and I'm going to press because there's a purpose. And God wants us to make our, our relationships built off of this. 
That's, that's what kingdom relationships are. Built off of righteousness. Doing what's right in God's eyes. Peace. Every, every area of my life is intertwined with God. That's peace. Every area of my life. No, no matter how trivial I think it is, how small I think it is, or how big I think it is, he's involved. I run it through him first. And why does God want us to, to, to establish our relationship based off of righteous peace, enjoying the Holy Ghost? It's because he has a purpose, and nothing that he gives us, like relationships or dating and marriage, is going to go against that purpose. It all walks hand in hand to fulfill one goal. See, our God is an awesome God. He is the great orchestrator right there. I'm, I'm telling you, he, he has put things, it's almost like a Lego, he, he has put things intricately together. And all we have to do is follow the instructions. See, that's the problem with the, with the believer. We don't like the instructions. And all we have to do is follow the instructions. Everything works harmoniously together if you're in his purpose. So we saw in Genesis, or we see in Genesis 1 and 2, that his purpose, God created marriage, and he, and he created it so with his purpose in mind. That means he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to establish his kingdom on the earth. But in order to establish his kingdom on the earth, where does it have to be established first? It has to be established in you so that you can do the work. No matter what type of relationship your, your kingdom relationships develop into, if the kingdom is not establishing you first, you, cannot be in, you can't be in a kingdom relationship. And remember, everything he gives us works harmonious, harmoniously together toward the same purpose. So he wants us to seek and save the lost. And if you don't think that your relationships have anything to do with seeking and saving the lost, you need to, you need to take a step back for a minute. Now you need to go through and category, you need to catalog your relationships and see which one of these relationships are they pushing me toward the purpose of God or are they pulling me away from his purpose? He tells us in, in, in Genesis, he says, to subdue and have dominion over all creation, to dress it and to keep it. But, but we have to remember what is all creation. We are part of, God created us. We are part of that creation. That means we have to subdue. We have to have dominion. We need to dress and keep our fleshly members. Why? Because he's trying, to have, he's trying to prepare us for his kingdom. And when, when, when God finds two people that are doing that, when they're subduing and, and, and having dominion, when they're addressing and keeping all of their bodily, all of their, their fleshly members, he said, oh, these two can come together and have a marriage for my kingdom. You see, the, those two that came together, that, that, that's a kingdom relationship. You know why? Because my kingdom was established in the heart before they came together. They see purpose. They're not coming together because, man, Man, she looks sexy. Oh, who? Look at his... No. They're coming together because, man, she has the purpose of God in her heart. He has the purpose of God in his heart. That's what a kingdom relationship is for. Like I said, he wants to establish his kingdom in you so that when you get to the season of marriage, you're fruitful. Depend on him. I know it's hard. Depend on him in the season. It's a lot of establishing going. Yeah, guess what? That establishment of the kingdom, it never stops. That's why I said dating goes on for a lifetime. But he wants to establish some things in this season, so when you get to the season of marriage, you're not trying to establish some things that should have already been there. And now you're starting off behind. So we made a statement last week. Biblical dating is an aid to the process of establishing the kingdom of God in your heart. Because I don't, I don't want you to think that's the only way you can establish the kingdom of God. It's a big part 
I'm going to tell you it's a big part. Biblical dating is an aid to establishing the kingdom of God in your heart. And when, like I said, when you understand that your life and your salvation in Christ has a purpose in advancing his kingdom, you, you'll, you'll be able to see biblical dating. Has, it, it's, the purpose is to advance his kingdom. It's not to fulfill my, the lust of my flesh. And then, then you're good. Then you, you, listen, everybody has their own flavor. You like what you like. But then that won't be the number one thing you're looking at. The number one thing is, do they love God with all their heart? With all their mind, with all their soul. And not just in word, in action. Because you can watch action. That's the number one thing. You have to see God's purpose in a relationship or it's fruitless for you. Remember, remember his purpose is to be fruitful and multiply. Well, God's purpose has to be in the relationship to be fruitful. If it's not in there, it won't be fruitful. It's not for you. It's a waste of your time. We, we, they, we've been talking about idle time a couple weeks ago. That's idle. That's being idle. Wasting your time just fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Let me tell you something. After you get through fulfilling your lust of your flesh with whoever you want to, those lusts will still be there. A waste of time. You think you're fulfilling it. All you're doing is putting a, a little quick fix and then going back to it again. Going back to it again. Addicted to the lust of your flesh. Remember, biblical dating is for the believer only. Only people that love God more than they love themselves or than they love you are the ones that you can date. Those are the only ones qualified to date. I, I spoke with a person the other day, maybe a couple weeks ago, and they were telling me about a relationship they're in, and they got their heart broke. And what ticked me off to it was the first thing he said to me, or this person said to me was, man, they were unfaithful to me. Now, mind you, they're not married. They're just dating. So that word is, the, is what caught my eye right off the bat. I said, faithful? You're talking about covenant type thing. Right? You're talking about faithful. Because here's the thing about it. You, you're expecting her to be faithful to you, but neither one of you, I can tell that the tone of the relationship has already been set off with sex. Because faithful is meant for married people. If she's not being faithful to you, see, you're telling her, you're going to be faithful to me because we've given ourselves to each other sexually. So now you're only supposed to be meant for me. That's for married folks. If you're not married, the only person you're faithful to is God. Uh, and let me tell you, if you're cheating, you know, you're not cheating on a person, you're cheating on God. You've made a covenant with God. That's what a believer is. But that tipped me off right from the beginning. Oh, this person is not faithful to me. Well, you set the tone from the beginning. You haven't been faithful to God. Oh, I, I, I know. I know. No, no, no. We're not, we're not sexually... Stop it. Are you doing what it takes to, to, to have sex? Then you're having sex. But we, you know, you know, heavy petting, that's for married people. Kissing on the neck, sucking them on the ear, that's for married people. Rubbing them on their legs, enticing them, that's for married people. And you can't sit there and tell me that's not going to pull you off the purpose of God. When God has something for you to do, and, and that, flat, that lust that you want is right there in your face, and you're chasing after it, that's going to pull you off the purpose of God. See, fruitless relationships that are only going to please you for a second. So we have to remember at all times, biblical dating, that's a commitment to God. That's a commitment to God's purpose. You don't want to cheat on God with your lust. 
It's a commitment to God. This is why God wants us to have kingdom relationships. A relationship with one that doesn't set the tone from the beginning to just to be free all out in your lust. That's what you that's what I was talking about in that, that conversation. It was set from the beginning you could be free in your lust. That was a tone set. And then you're surprised when she's unfaithful to you. They've been unfaithful to God. And so have you. But look at outside. That's, God's kingdom needs to be established in you first. One that sets the tone with righteousness, peace, and joining the Holy Ghost. Those are the ones. If it's set from the beginning, I can set the tone with you from the beginning what this relationship is going to be about. Those are the ones that got purpose on their mind. Those are the ones that should catch your eye if you're a believer. Uh, those are the ones that you'll be able to grow with in your life. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 127. This is, gonna be, this is good. This is good to me. And I'm glad God took me here during my study time because this is the scripture for our young adults next gen. Psalm 127. And it's so appropriate here. It's so amazing how God just keeps speaking to you with the same scripture. And apply this. we're applying this now, this scripture here, to biblical dating. Two relationships, and you're going to see Psalm 127, and I'm going to start at verse 1. Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain, vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in, but in vain. So I have to stop there. See, because we make all types of decisions, and we build on all types of relationships based on what we think is advantageous for us. You know, it could be monetary advanta- uh, uh, things that we do, employment things we do. We make relationships with all types of people thinking, this would be good for us. But God says, I know what you need. See, except I built the house, the Lord, except I keep the city, ain't nothing else going to keep you. You labor in vain. He knows what you need. He knows how you're to be edified. He knows how you're to be built up. He knows how you're to be kept. And let's go on to verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. <laughs> Let me tell you, because we're talking about relationships, that bread of sorrows, because we are talking about relationships, this is the results of all the relationships you built without the Lord. That's the bread of sorrows. All the things you're going through, take inventory of a life, see, see where you are in life, and equate those to the, all the relationships and all the things that you've done without the Lord there. Without submitting to the Lord. All the hurt. All the shame. All the pain. All the regret. All the scarring. That's what comes along with ungodly decisions. That's the bread of sorrows. It is vain for you to rise up early. To sit up late. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. See, see, like I said before, it's the Lord. That's who you have to depend on in these times. He gives his beloved sleep. Verse 3, lo, I love this. Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, children, and a lot of people like to think, oh, he's talking about little kids here. That's what you're thinking, right? Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Keep your finger here, because we're going to come back. Romans chapter 8. 
and we're going to read verses 12 through 17 because we're going to see what he means when he says children. Romans chapter 8, verse 12, and it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. We're still talking about subduing and, and, and having dominion. If ye should mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as ye are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. <laughs> and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So, so, so the children of God, the heirs, heirs, joint heirs with them, the, those are the ones that fear the Lord. Those are the ones that are indwelled by the Spirit of the living God. Those are the children. Those are the sons of God. So we can turn back to Psalm 127. It says, Lo, children, now you understand who those children he's talking to. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb, so, so the church is the bride of the Christ. So the fruit of the womb, he's talking about the womb of the church. See, the fruit, those are the believers that should be coming out of the womb of the church. That's his reward. The fruit, the bride of Christ is the church. So the fruit are its individual members. Showing righteousness, peace, enjoying the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Now arrows, once you shoot them, they can no longer be directed. But in the hands of a mighty man, guess what? They've already been directed. Let me tell you what a mighty man should represent for you here, especially since we're talking about dating. A mighty man should represent being taught how to edify each other. See, those are the mighty men. It could be a woman in your life too, but those are the mighty men that shoot the arrows. They teach you how to correct each other, how to challenge one another in love, how to encourage each other, how to edify each other. How to build each other up. How to be kept by the Lord. That's what a mighty man should represent for you. Then it says, Happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them. A quiver full? See, in, in a quiver there are many sizes of arrows. Big ones, short ones, tall ones. More sharp than the other. But, these arrows in there, they're going to keep each other sharp. <laughs> by encouraging each other. By building each other up. Uh, those arrows, they'll bless the house that the Lord built. <laughs> they'll, they'll put their hands on what the, the house the Lord has built. Because uh, what does it say there? It says, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. See, that, those, those right there in the quiver fool, uh, they won't be ashamed to speak up when they see somebody in the quiver not doing what they're supposed to be doing. See, I'm speaking with the enemies at the gate of what? At the gate of your heart. Because remember, we're, we're still wall building. We're still wall building. And that's what he's put us together for. I, I, see, see, we're in this quiver together. And guess what? As, since I'm dating you and we're in a kingdom relationship, let me tell you something. God doesn't want that for you. Just like he doesn't want it for me. See, ch children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. 
and the fruit is only built up by, by standing in righteousness and peace and enjoying the Holy Ghost. That's his heritage. So we're still wall building. And God is telling us that the secret, the secret of wall building is to do it together as a church. There it is. What did we say last week? What did he say in Hebrews? Don't forsake the assembly of the upright. Because you'll become deceived in your lust. Because here's the thing. You may forsake the assembly of the upright, but there's some assembly you're not forsaking. And what you listen to and what you think on the longest, it becomes the strongest in your life. And it's so amazing to me. I, I, I wanted to move on from 127, but look at Psalm 128. It's so amazing how, how he goes from the, the heritage of the Lord, and then let's, let's see what he goes into Psalm 128. He said, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. See, if you walk in my ways in that quiver, you're going to eat the labor of your hands, and you're going to have a kingdom relationship. <laughs> but keep going. See, see, this is what really blessed me. Because it, it, it's amazing to me how he went, he went right into family from here. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. See, see kingdom relationships, it secures your family. It secures your family. Remember what we said last week? When you, when you have people that are building kingdom relationships and they come together, they set kingdom trends for their families, for anybody who they come in contact with. Oh, it's so amazing. I, I, I almost read through the whole book of Psalms. I was like, God, you really are... It's a continue. See, when you read your Bible, don't just pick a verse out and stop. Don't pick a verse out and stop because he kept going here. He, he said, where is it again? I'm sorry. He said, Thy wife shall be as fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. See, those that keep his purpose in mind, that fear him, that love him, that respect him, blessed shall you be. From generation to generation, because we started building kingdom trends through our kingdom relationships. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me read verse 5 and 6 too. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. You, you see how he reaches through generations? Those are kingdom trends. So where, where, your, where your family may have been destined for hell, maybe on a cycle that's just keeping them, so, keeping them oppressed, God said, but if you fear me, I'll reach through and I'll grab your children's children. And part of that process is biblical dating. Mm. God is too good. And he said, not to forsake the assembly of the upright. See, the the, the assembly of the upright, that's the family God has built for you. That's the family that's supposed to edify you. That's the family that's going to build you up. That's going to challenge and correct you. Oh, but there's some people in the body that do me wrong and stuff. Have you set the tone of your relationship wrong? From the jump? Yeah, I was dating somebody in the body and they were unfaithful to me. Uh, Were you unfaithful to God? Start with yourself. Because I promise you, be honest with yourself. I don't know your business. You know. God knows. The enemy knows. Have you set the tone from the beginning wrong yourself? See, if you set the tone from the beginning, can't nobody be unfaithful to you. 
God's not going to be. If you set the tone from the beginning, your heart can't be out there to be cheated on. It's about being faithful to God. So how can we, how can we, we build the walls of each other's hearts? Because these are the people you need to date for the rest of your life, but how can we do this? And we said last week, by being an example to one another, we went to 1 Timothy chapter 4, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. That's how you do it. And we're not going to go through but And you can go back and listen to last week, but you need to be an example. See, the, the, the believer isn't interested in getting laid or getting you laid. He's interested in holiness. He's interested in purity. Uh, the believer takes time out of, his, out of his day to study the word and pray. Uh, the believer is not afraid to challenge his so-called friends when they see that that's not what's right in God's eyes. Because remember, that's what we're building our relationship off of. Righteousness, what's right in God's eyes. Peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Because what he wants for the body is to, for us to be walking in oneness. That's what a believer does. A believer loves the Lord with all their heart, their mind, their soul. Puts God first in everything. Uh, a believer realizes that biblical dating is not exclusive because the love of Christ needs to be shown to all. I, oh, 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 wait a minute. Wait, yeah, yeah, you have to get sex out of your mind when it comes to dating. That's the thing. We have to be re. You got to be transformed <laughs> by the renewing of your mind. Listen, a believer is gonna is gonna always listen tactfully and gracefully remind remind the people and the, and the friends of their life that purpose is greater than one night of pleasure, one night of drunkenness, one night of revelry. Remember, remember, go back one night of heresies, one night. Go back to what we've been learning. A believer, listen, purpose. God's purpose is far greater than all those things. That's listen. These, I'm talking about somebody you should be dating. A believer. Uh, a believer doesn't try to seduce a woman by touching them in places they shouldn't be touched. A believer doesn't wear provocative clothes and showing them what you can have and try to draw some. That's not a believer. I know we like to do that in dating. That's not a believer. Uh, a believer doesn't need validation from a crowd of people. Doesn't need validation on his Facebook page. A believer is validated by Christ and what he has for me, what he's delivered to me. See, all those other things, that's, that's not what biblical dating is for. A, a believer is not focused on their own accolades. A believer is not focused on, like I said earlier, what's advantageous for them, what fills their pockets, what satisfies their flesh. A believer says, I can't be alone with this person because I can't, I can't cause them to stumble. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You know what a believer does? They think about others before themselves. Uh, listen, every date this person goes on with doesn't have to be about fulfilling their flesh, the lust of their flesh. Like I said, I, 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 went, I went on a date with Minister Jason a couple of weeks ago. It was all about edifying each other and building each other up. I, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with out there and just doing something for fun and like whatever, but that's fun to me too. 
because I have purpose on my mind at all times. See, those are the people that you need to be dating on a constant basis. The ones who are in the body and who are faithful and committed to God first. The Bible says, Whoever, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake will find it. Those are the ones that love God. And know this, when you surround yourself with people that believe the same way you do, that's how you mature. That's, that's how you don't stunt your growth, and that's how you mature. And, and being mature is just being able to walk in what you've been taught. You're able to walk in what you've been taught when you have people around you that build you up and edify you in those same things. Each stage of life and the people you fellowship with in those stages of life are going to prepare you for the next stage. Uh, it may be a bad preparation. It may be a good preparation. It's on you. You're getting the biblical counsel. Just remember that. You're going to be prepared for the next stage of life whether you're ill-prepared or you're prepared well. I'm just trying to give you some tools so you can be prepared well. So if you choose today, biblically, you're going to get sound counsel. You're going to learn accountability. You'll edify each other in love. You'll build each other up in love while maintaining your faithfulness to God. So adversely, if you choose to operate outside of biblical guidelines when dating, you, you won't receive any wise counsel. You won't get any sound counsel. There'll be no accountability, no accountability at all. We know that. And you'll waste time and be fruitless and be pulled away from God's purpose. So I'm going to say this again. As a believer, we have to be very selective in who we pick to date. Who can we date? How can we pick? Turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to get to a certain point today. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm just going to go ahead and start reading from verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. <laughs> that unequally yoked means don't be joined together with one. That's an alien spirit to you. You know what an alien spirit is? It's opposite from what you believe. And it's clear to see you are a rational, free moral agent. It says, but, but don't be unequally yoked with them. Uh, don't have communion with them. Don't, I love this word, kononia, fellowship. Don't spend time with them. Don't let it get down inside you. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Oh, I'm sorry. And what concord hath Christ or Belial. I, I, I have to stop there. Because concord, that, that means agreement. And now it says, what concord does Christ, the Messiah, have with Belial? You know what Belial is? That means worthlessness. Unprofitableness. Like we were just talking about. Just wasting your time. But Christ has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. There's no time wasted in purpose. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? See, when you're a temple of God and you begin, you begin to come in agreement with the Spirit contrary to the Spirit of God, that's how you become corrupt. 
That means, see, coming into an agreement with another spirit means I spent time with that spirit. That's unequally yoked. I've allowed the spirit, that spirit's thoughts and ways to become mine. I'm in agreement with it. I'm in concord with it. I've fellowshiped with that. I've communed with that. And then that, that's what, see, those are the little things that keep you out of season for the rest of your life. Those are the things right there. The, the picking of people that hinder our walk with Christ comes from a close relationship with the world. In this world today, we have an endless buffet of opinions. An endless buffet of suggestions. And it has something to say about every answer, every, every point that you want to. And guess what? This endless buffet and endless, endless choice of answers, you can choose whichever one fits you. That's the thing about truth. There's only one answer. There's only one answer to the truth and there's only one answer that it fixes. But if you keep going to the world, you can go to a thousand different people and have a thousand different answers. And if you're unequally yoked, I can guarantee nine times out of ten it's going to be ungodly counsel. For example, you know, I asked somebody the other day, do you believe that couples should have sex before marriage? And then I had to research this question. Now, if you were to ask different people this, you wouldn't have a problem finding any answer that fits what you want. And the reality is we can find an answer to find, justify whatever we want to do. Right or, right or wrong, safe or unsafe, wise or unwise, we can find an answer to do whatever we want to do. For many of us, if, it's, if, we're, if we're going to be honest about it, it doesn't matter who's offering the advice. We act like we're leaning on others, but really we're just surrendering to our lust. It doesn't matter who offers the, the, the advice. Uh, and James says, you know, and this is what you have to understand. It says everybody is tempted and drawn away with their own lust. You're easily beset by what's going to easily beset you. <laughs> drawn away with their own lust. And you know what helps you draw, draw you away with your own lust? The people that you date what you like to be around. And we're going to get into an instance here. I'm almost out of time, but I'm going to, I have to get into this. And I told you we're going to get to a situation in the Bible. So let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. And I'm going to finish this portion, even though I'm just about, and then we'll pick up next week. 2 Samuel 13. And I love this. <laughs> and we're going to read pretty much this whole chapter. Maybe not today, but we're going to get to it. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And I love how this Bible is going to mention every player in this life occurrence. I want you to understand, in this life occurrence, there's David, there's Tamar, there's Amnon, there's Absalom. And if you've been listening to our next-gen services over the last year, you've, you've heard this, this story as well, as well as some of the Sunday messages, because I believe it was Minister Hasten that touched on it not too long ago as well. But it's amazing how you can get something new every time you look at it. So let's start at verse 1. And it came to pass, after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. I love how it mentions, it, it mentions everybody, because your relationships, the ones that you allow to affect you, will affect everybody. I love how it mentions everybody. We have to learn from this. When relationships are handled improperly, you're going to see what happens here. And it says she had a fair, he had a fair sister. She was beautiful. She looked good. And there's nothing wrong with, with seeing a woman and think she looked good. But it was also his sister. 
Now, uh, let me tell you, back here in these days, you know, there was a law against that given back in Leviticus and things like that. But back here in these days and in those times, it was his half-sister. So that was, it, it wasn't looked as illegal. But it was still forbidden fruit. Because that's his sister. See, now we're getting into the lust of the flesh, right? What's forbidden to you. So now we're getting into the lust of the flesh. And it said he, he allowed his, his lust to burn so much that he began to look sick. So it says here in verse 2, And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. And she was a virgin. Now, now i said this before. Vexed in this point, it means in a violent state of distress to the point of action. That means I'm ready to do something. Because I'm, so, I'm looking sick here. And then I love how it said here, it says that she was a virgin. Now God doesn't waste words. And there's a reason why he said virgin here. A virgin in this day, it meant something. Where they were in this day, unmarried, <laughs> unmarried daughters, they were kept in close seclusion. For many men, whether they be of the same family or not, close seclusion. Listen, no strangers, no relatives were permitted to see them without the presence of a witness. Check it out, if you don't believe me. Check into it. Not a virgin. We're talking about a virgin. Nobody's is permitted. And that, listen, that right there is a word for some of you parents right there. I, I don't have time to go into that, but you, you know, you want to protect the, you know, the, your children's virginity. Let me tell you something. Don't allow them to be alone with anybody. Don't allow a child to be alone with their lust. That's plain and simple to see, but that's not my point here. Let's see verse... Yeah, I'm sorry. But I want you to note, Tamar was not to be in a man's presence without approval from the king. And without a witness present. I want you to know that. That's why they said virgin there. See, you have to get all these things in there. She was a virgin for a reason. And it meant something in these days. She was a virgin. And so Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. And she, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend. Oh. Now that just ministered to me so much. Uh, let, let, me, let me keep going here. It said Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Now, now, it said Amnon had a friend, but he said he was the, the son of, of David's brother. So guess what? This friend was his cousin. But why did he skip right over cousin to say he had a friend? That's because he's been unequally yoked. He spent time with him. See, Tamar was his sister, but he didn't say Tamar was his friend. Amnon was his friend. He spent time with Amnon. Amnon knew what he wanted. And Amnon didn't just see he was sick from a while. Like, what's wrong? No, Amnon knew he wanted his sister. That's his friend. Now, listen, I, you can go as far as to say he's probably didn't talk to, uh, to uh, uh, Jonadab about it before. Jonadab knew what Amnon wanted. And Amnon knew what Jonadab was going to say. So Amnon had a friend. Hold on. Amnon made a date. <laughs> Amnon set a date with his friend, whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man, a subtle man, a tricky man. One who we would say in this world, you know, you might see him and say, oh, he, he knows how to get women. He's a tricky man. He knows how to connive. He knows how to swindle. And like I said, Amnon, Jonadab, Amnon knew Jonadab knew, knew what was wrong with him. Because they're friends. It's not just his cousin, it's his friend. He didn't, listen, read through this whole, this whole chapter. He didn't call nobody else his friend in that chapter. 
Jesam nine. He spent time with him. Listen, any spirit that he learned from his father is kind of been it's kind of been washed out because he spent time with a friend. He made a and, and what did he do? This I'm gonna tell you this time. This wasn't the first time he made a date with his friend. You could tell. You could tell. M not had a friend, which means he's done this before. M9 had a friend, I tell you. And he went on a date with his friend. It's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing to me. Let me say this one thing to mothers and fathers. Because I'm not going to be able to go any further. I'm just going to say this and leave this here. And this is a little bit off subject, but never give your influence away. The influence that you have for your children, the influence you have on the people in your life, don't, never give it away to a friend. Whether it be family or not. See, that's the thing about it. Does your family, your family members so-called, do they love the Lord with all, though? If they don't love the Lord with all, no, I can't, I can't surrender any type of influence to you. Because then they grow up and start making decisions like Amnon and finding the friends that believe that, that let them be free in their lust. And take that counsel, thinking, oh, they said it's all right. No, you just want to be free in your lust. Never give up your, listen, never give up your influence. And we are out of time, but we're going to pick this up right from here next week. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.